I read these verses uh, last week, which have become so precious to me um, in recent months. And I, I just want to unpack them a little bit, kind of like a reflection, um, really. And it's Philippians 4, verse 4 um, onwards. And I, I, it's just so powerful. I, I wanted to just unpack it with you all. So I feel like it's, it's some verses that we should all be meditating on as a church at the moment. That's the feeling. And, and just on that note, um, as we, as we uh, continue to push forward with our vision uh, to reach the hurting, lost, most broken people in our community, um, I've just been at a, a day of prayer for CVM yesterday, Christian Vision for Men, and uh, Neville, um, one of our amazing trustees, um, said that we should have a day of prayer for Redeemer King. Why didn't I think of that? That's my job to think of that. How dare you think of something? That's my job. Um, and I thought, what a good idea. So I'm going to look at how we do that. I think, you know, a precious day of prayer for all that we're contending for, premises and seeing community change and CAP and all the other wonderful things we're doing. Um, I think that'd be so good. So we'll be in touch with you about that. And, and this scripture, I think, we might hold over the church. Rejoice in the Lord always. What a challenge that is. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, easy to read, very hard to do. So I thought we'd just spend a little bit of time trying to unpack that. It's fair to say, now for those of you that are here who don't know Christ yet, and I pray that will change very soon, because it will change your life and your destiny actually. When you get to meet Jesus Christ, he does utterly transform everything. And what, what in a sense happens to us, although we have to sometimes fight for this, is our, our gaze actually gets lifted up, metaphorically speaking. When you meet, when you meet the Lord, although life happens... And I'm looking around, I know that life happens to people. You know, I, I get involved in some of the stuff in your life that's hard. But actually, when you give your life to Christ, your gaze orientates itself from looking down at the ground to upwards. Because you've now got an eternal destiny. You've got a new hope, you've got a new future. Everything changes. And now, to give you the context of this passage, when Paul wrote this, and he mentions joy 16 times in 104 verses, which is quite a lot as a percentage, he was writing this in a dingy, stinking Roman prison. The bloke who's sitting in a stinking, horrible prison in fear of his life said rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, he says rejoice all over the place. Now, either he was a total psycho who, didn't, who was completely blind to his situation, or... He had access to something that completely changed his life. And we've got to try and understand 
how we do that, and where his rejoicing comes from. Um, now, that guy, which we're going to sing later, Horatio Gates Spafford, wrote a song, It's Well With My Soul. And it's a very well-known song, and I think the Mulcaster may have it lined up due to a cheeky text I sent earlier in the week. Brilliant. And he saw his family get wiped out. And, uh, and he spoke in this beautiful song about peace and how it could be still well with his soul, even though he faced tremendous loss. Um, and I really want to unpack what that means. And firstly, I think we can say we can rejoice always because it's in the Lord. You notice what he says there in verse 4. He doesn't just say rejoice. People rejoice. It's not a word we use very often now. But we rejoice when we have a day at the seaside. Like my wife and Rebecca did yesterday in Cleethorpes. Rejoicing in Cleethorpes with fish and chips on a sunny day. Sorry? Yes. Or Whitby even. A bit too far away. You rejoice when there's a sunny day. I might be having a little cheeky barbecue later. A little fillet of pork. I might be marinating in some lovely lemon juice. And my heart will be rejoicing as I watch it nestle on the grill. Um, so that's like human joy in simple things. Your football team, I hate football, when your football team wins and your heart leaps or that new motorbike you bought, Karen, um, <laughs> a man can dream. Um, that's, that's human rejoicing in things that are Temporary. Later tonight, the pork will be eaten. The motorcycle magazine will be put away. <laughs> and I'll be weeping into my pillow at the Aprilia to oh no, I can't buy. And then I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll be back at work. Oh, joy. And the joy may be fleeting. But what Paul talks about here is a different joy. Rejoicing in the Lord. I need to try and understand it. I need to try and explain this to those of you who don't know Christ yet. And to remind you, for those of you who do know Christ, it is an incredibly beautiful thing when you get to know him. This is why Paul says in 3 verse 8, he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Like all material, all things are garbage compared to the surpassing joy of knowing Christ as my saviour. What a thing to say. I mean, he's writing this from a prison. So he knows what he's talking about. He's had everything taken away and he can still find the joy. Problem is in our society, we are so materialistic now. We're so centred on our stuff or our temporary feelings. We keep trying to feed ourselves more buzz. I mean, churches can do that. Feed ourselves more buzz, make every week experience. Like, come back, come back. That's not where we're at. We're not buying smoke machines or strobe lights to enhance the atmosphere. Unless I'm feeling particularly ropey, then we might need to resort to them. What do you mean, oh, it's not going to happen. No, but I might get a big shiny pulpit with LED lights on it, just for show. Um, but that's not what we are. We're actually rejoicing in the Lord. Look at this in Philippians 2. This is all coming out of Philippians. 
Therefore God exhorted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He said this just before that, I eagerly expect and hope that in no way, I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage to show that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He just wrote that in a prison. His life under threat. And he keeps bursting out in joy. And then you think about us. Bit of a long queue in Morrison's. Get chipped up. Car park hassles. Get chippy. The pork got overcooked. Get rather upset. That might happen now. It's a punishment, mightn't it? The pork goes wrong. I have to rejoice in the Lord always. It might happen. What's happened here is this. He's got a deeper joy. Joy is in Christ. He knows his Saviour. You, if you know Jesus, are sorted out for eternity. Now, that's a hard concept to get your head around. But what I do know is that life goes very quick. I mean, I'm only 47. Some of you here are significantly older than that. Not that you look it. You look full of the joy of the Lord. What keeps you looking young. But those of you that are significantly older will know what I'm saying. You'll think, where did that go? How many of you are like over 60 here think, where did that go? Yep. There's at least uh, three honest people here. <laughs> I've buried a lot of people, most of them legally. <laughs> and they have. I've done it. That used to be my job. <laughs> and um, I've done a lot of funerals said it before, I've done a lot of cremations. And I've seen people weeping, holding each other. Desperate. Where's that life gone? Only seem, the amount of times I've heard people say, only seemed like yesterday. Only seemed like yesterday. We were kids. Now it's gone. But for those of us who are in Christ, and you can access this by making a decision for Jesus, it changes the game. I've told you, haven't I, before about the bloke I saw who was dying in hospital. I tenderly held his hand in the middle of the night. He said, Brian, is there anything you're worried about? We used to he's dying. Is there anything you're concerned about? He said. You know what he said? He looked at me and went, oh, shut up, you stupid boy. So I've got nothing to worry about. I know the Lord. I thought, oh, what a stupid young pastor I was. He was proper, he meant it. I have nothing to worry about. With the Lord, stop being annoying. Let go of my hand. <laughs> so, I mean, beautiful bloke he was. Died a couple of days later, rejoicing. So remember the moment I told you this one before about the. There's a part of this story I've not told you. A couple in my church many years ago, his son had an accident in a snow dome in Milton Keynes at the time. and... Um, had such severe brain swelling that had to cut chunks of his skull out to his brain to span through and he was on life support and it was touch and go that he was going to make it. When I turned up to the hospital, so it's Birmingham, sorry, when I turned up to the hospital, I collapsed the parents into my arms in this side room by intensive care. I was only young and I had to handle this. I collapsed into my arms. I was a father, got on his knees, sobbing and weeping. He was going to lose his boy. 19 years old, going to lose him. They're saying he might have to switch the machine off, can't keep him going. That's how bad it was. 
I've never seen such trauma etched into a person's face. And I just sat there, just didn't know what to say. What we did do is the three of us, we knelt in that little side room. Knelt on the floor and, we, and we, we gave his boy back to the Lord. These are amazing life experiences. I look back now and think, wow. I don't even know how I managed to survive that one personally. I mean, it was so traumatic. We knelt there and we, we held hands and prayed. Martin looked at me and he said, I've just given my boy back to God. He ain't me, he ain't mine. He belongs to God. Well, that's a faith. And he said, and I've just experienced, one on his, so I've just experienced the peace that surpasses all understanding. I thought, wow. And then do you know what he did? He smiled at me. He smiled. I remember sitting there thinking, nearly in there thinking, how are you smiling? Do you know how he was smiling? He's rejoicing in the Lord because he knew that God had got his son. Sometimes bad stuff happens. Sometimes you get new vocal cords. Sometimes you don't. But we can rejoice in the Lord. No matter what. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are about to be burnt to death. And they basically say, to paraphrase, we may get burnt to death or we may live because God may spare us. But either way, I'm paraphrasing this into Dagenham speak. Either way, old chap, it's all right. God's good. He knew that the Lord was good. You can rejoice in the Lord no matter what happens. Because you know where your destiny is, you know you're secure, you know he's got you, you know he's your father in heaven. And actually when, when, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord, he, he, he normally uses the Lord for Christ, for, for Jesus. It's over spilling out of him. He's sitting in this dingy prison thinking, I'm going to be alright. Kill me, take me head off, still going to be alright. Have some of that. And that's why he kept preaching the gospel even when he was chained up. As followers of Christ, we've got to get that deeper in. Too many of us these days are getting shaken by things that are very temporary, shallow and plastic. You've got to get that deep joy back. Not a shallow joy, the deep joy that comes from dwelling in his presence, keeping in the word, you know, keep this stuff going in, meditate on it, meditate on these verses, keep it going in. I'm not saying life doesn't happen. I'm not saying we don't suffer. But some of us can have deep periods of anxiety and stress. I know that. And struggles in our health or family situations that are overwhelming. I'm not calling us to be shallow. I'm not a denial guy. I've told you before, I walked into a conference once to preach with man flu, ladies and gentlemen. That is not good. It should be something we speak about in a hushed tone. It's far more serious than any other medical condition, as doctors will testify. It's bad. It's bad. And I walked in with man flu. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I just wanted some rusks and watch CBeebies. That's all I wanted to do. And see, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I was going to pull through. I was making a list of who to leave my Xbox to and my car and my guitar. That's how bad it was. And as I walked in, I said to them, they said, you all right? And I went, oh, I've a man flu. They went, no, you haven't. Went, no, I have. They went, no, you haven't. I went, no, I have. I'm feeling it. I've got a temperature. They went, no, you haven't. I went, no, I have. And they went, you haven't? Because you're healed in Jesus. I went, no, I'm not. I've got man flu. I'm feeling really ill. Can you stop it? You're making me feel worse. No, I went, yeah, I know, because you, you need to have faith. You need to own your healing. I went, I want to own the fact I've got man flu. Just leave me alone for half an hour, would you? I do this one, I thought, wow, this, this is nuts. Like, you've got, you've got to have a reality check. Reality check. But you can access the joy of the Lord. He's got us. Now, what I do, 
In times of stress, can we now move on to let your gentleness be evident to all, be anxious for nothing? Talk about gentleness in a minute, but I want to link up anxiousness here in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What I do is this. If I'm feeling like I don't want to rejoice, and it is fair to say that over the years I've had moments where I want to be a diva, and I have diva moments where I'll, I'll chuck everything away or to quit and become a landscape gardener or a lorry driver or a postman or a fighter pilot, normally in that order. I I'm getting a bit old for the last one. I have diva moments. Anyone here ever had a diva moment? Yes, yes, not this side. This side's fine, apart from man. But the other side's definitely having a diva moment. I think we need to mix sides up a little bit here. Could be... Thank you. What I do is this, practically speaking. It's just very practical. I dial the problems back. I wind things back to their simplest things. And I remind myself who I am. I'm a child of God. I know my saviour. I've got, I've got a beautiful wife, lovely kids. I've got a dog, still alive. I'm all right. I've got a roof over my head. I've got air that I can breathe. I keep pulling it back. I've got a shirt on my back. I've eaten today. I dial it back. I remind myself of the simple things. The simple provisions. You know what we're not doing today in our culture? We're not reminding ourselves of the simple provisions. Find space to do it. Whatever works for you. I, I have, which you might see if you follow me on Facebook, I have got a particular weird thing about trees. I like drawing trees. I like charcoal drawing trees. I like looking at them, but I don't know enough about them. So I just bought myself the Collins Book of British Trees. And I'm going to enjoy simple things. I'm going to have a coffee before me Port Philip. And I'm going to read my book on trees. And I might look at a tree out of my window. I'm serious. And I remind myself of the God who created the heavens and the earth, who's got me and my life in his hands. And I boil it back to the simple thing. And I find that when I do that, my anxieties tend to fall away. Because you start to find your joy in the small things, in the simple things. Going back to verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all is self-explanatory. It's self-explanatory. As followers of Christ, we should be characterized by a joy-filled gentleness and tenderness, actually, which we're going to unpack in a little bit, uh, how that actually works. But wouldn't it be great if Redeemer King is known as this gentle, generous, grace-filled people always had a positive word to say. Now, we don't bump our gums moaning in the background. Let's not be that. Let's not be those people. Let's be people who have always got something beautiful to say with gentleness of heart. Another thing just about rejoicing in the Lord always, one thing I did notice as I read back through this passage was, and it's just worthy of a brief mention, Philippians 4 verse 1, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. He calls his brothers and sisters in the Lord his joy and crown. I just thought that was really interesting. What this, I suppose, means is that we are each other's joy and crown. What a beautiful thing it is to stand up here today, and I can do this every week. I'm looking at people who have given their lives to Christ. Josh and others, 
Richard, I can literally, some weeks, I can stand in the foyer and point out to people, people who have just given their lives to Christ. You know what the Bible says? That's our joy and crown. You know what your treasure is in heaven? The lives of those who have been transformed and saved by the God of grace. That's your treasure in heaven. And you can find your joy in it. Now, sometimes you won't find your joy in each other because you'll wind each other up. And I know I'll probably wind some of you up. And some of you, maybe occasionally once every 10 years, wind me up. And that's just the way it is. But we can find our joy together in each other, celebrate each other's lives. That's why I've started to get more testimony happening. I mean, how, I, I had no idea until Andy told me about Joy's story. It, I just think it's beautiful. It builds your hope and faith. It makes each other our joy and crown. So remember that when we're taking communion together one week. We are meant to be each other's joy. That means, outwork it. Say beautiful things about each other. Say positive things. You find yourself getting neggy, don't do it. Speak beautiful, life-giving words over one another, and that, that will make each other our joy and crown, and it will change the atmosphere when we come in. In fact, Chris came in today, and what is it you said, Chris, something about when you came in, you just saw people's smiles and enthusiasm. What did you say? And that's what we want to be known for, isn't it? Which, um, actually, I've got a naturally grumpy face, so when Chris said it, I thought, oh, I'd better smile some more. <laughs> See, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> See that? That's how it works. Just do that. It's terrible. It's bad, isn't it? It's bad, isn't it? It's bad. Yeah. I know. We'll stick away from it. Okay. And then, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is right, true, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you had learned or received from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I'm going to go to Janet now, technical department, and see if you can put up my picture, which I was causing, which made the system crash earlier, by the way, everybody which is why the words didn't come up. But we sang in the spirit. That was totally my fault, apparently. Right, um, I couldn't think of a brief title, so I called it this. Signs that you are or will become a massive flapper and or don't set your mind on what is lovely and admirable, which will eventually rob you of joy and peace, which is the longest quiz title in the world ever. Okay, I couldn't think of a succinct way to put it. Now, we have some verses being read out. Who's got Psalm 71, verse 8? Please read. We've got five minutes for this. Who's got it? Say that again. Your, my mouth is filled with your praise. Question one, do you moan more than you praise? The Bible says our mouths should be filled with the praise of the living God. It's just a, it's just a measure for you. Is your language complaint or blessing? When you, no one's looking, are you characterised by blessing and joy and life-giving words or moaning? I'll leave it between you and the Lord. I'm looking at no one in particular. <laughs> Honestly. Titus 1.15, please. You view everything with suspicion. It's a sign that you're going to become a massive flapper and you're going to lose your joy. Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. This means this. There's something you don't like or you hear something or some rumour. Believe the best, give the benefit of the doubt. That, that is a Christian default. 
To the pure, all things are pure. Give the benefit of doubt and believe the best. Don't believe rumours. Just, just don't, don't entertain it. If you view everything with suspicion, you're going to lose your joy. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. Followers of Jesus Christ, I believe, should be characterised by optimistic hope, ladies and gentlemen, gentle bodies, gentlemen. We should be characterised by optimistic hope and not cynicism and pessimism. Because you're saved. Like, it's all going to work out all right in the end. Apart from the fact we're going to spend eternity with me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But listen. We're a church that wants to be on the front foot of God's purposes. We've got big dreams and big visions and big aspirations if you're a believer from the Lord. What we don't want is cynicism. We need is optimistic hope. Cynicism has a voice. You've heard me do it before. The cynical, pessimistic voice goes like this. We haven't got a big enough budget. And they get all like, all tensed up and gnarly. Now, I'm not saying we don't do critical feedback. Like, I think, I think Carl guessing a building for £56 million might be a stretch too far. Might be something worth considering. That's called good feedback and wisdom. But like little niggy things like, well, it says in Appendix 4, Volume 6 of the third chapter. Mm. No. No, stop it. Because divisions will never get off the ground like that. So we are characterised by optimistic hope. With realism, Psalm 9, verse 10. Flappers and people who lose peace try and solve all the problems by themselves and don't rest on the Lord. One of the biggest things you can learn as a Christian is to learn to lean on the Lord. Exodus 14, 14. Be still. The Lord fights for you. You don't need to fight back and struggle and wrestle. You rejoice in the Lord. and Lean on Him, not in your own understanding. Trust Him with your health. You might die, but you're going to go home. With your money, you might run out of money. But the Lord's got you. amount of times I've seen little provisions and big provisions. I'll tell you about the time when I went self-employed um, and I had no work last year. And, um, I, you know, a little bit from the church and I was trying to, you know, make it all happen. And I booked a train to London to go and see five major donors who might want to back some of the evangelistic initiatives I'm trying to launch around the country. And every single one of them cancelled on the train. So I thought, well, I've got to go to the, the Apple store instead. <laughs> so, with no money. Anyway, while I was on my way to the Apple store, thoroughly depressed and thinking, how am I going to fight my way out of this corner? I've got to make this train fare worthwhile. So I got a phone call from someone. I said, hello, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing this. They said, why are you doing that? I said, well, there's this evangelist called Don Double, and he's handing his trust over to me so I can reach the hurting, lost, broken, and poor. He said, how much money is in a trust? I went, not a lot. He said, well, how are you going to support yourself? I said, well, just get some personal supporters. And he spit some money into the trust so I can produce resources, and we put on this new event called Edgefest, which is kind of like Butlins meets new wine, which is like most things I do is like Butlins. Anyway, um, 
He said, well, that's very interesting. He said, my wife Penny came to the Lord through Dom Double's ministry. I went, wow. He said, I've just sold my business for 12 million. How much do you need? I went to the Apple store, let's just say that. <laughs> the Lord knows. Do you trust him? Proverbs 12, 16. Insults wind you up, don't they? If you hear people saying things, they wind you up. Do you know what the Bible says? Overlook it. Have Teflon shoulders. That's what you need. It slips off. Beautiful Teflon shoulders. Bring it to the Lord. Listen to things you need to listen to. But don't dwell on insults and get all bitter and twisted. It's a wobby of your peace. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Romans 12 says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. As far as it depends on you, do whatever you can. Even if it takes a long time. Don't, don't, don't store things up. Give it to God. Try and make peace. As far as it depends on you. Sometimes things aren't possible. Most of the time they are. Cross the room. Don't, don't store stuff up as best you can. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5. Who sang Shake It Off? Who? Right, we've got to do a Taylor Swift job. Don't keep a record of wrongs. Shake it off. Let things go. Don't harbour bitterness. Keep short of courts before the Lord. Counts. Just let things go. If you want the Lord that close, don't keep a record of wrongs over people. Psalm 9-1. Thank God for the small things, not just the big stuff. Thank him that you've got air to breathe. He sustains your life moment by moment, nanosecond by nanosecond. You sit here by the grace of God. Remember the small stuff. And then the big stuff special when it happens. You'll find more peace if you thank God for the small things. Don't put your opinions before the Lord's. Just my own thought there. Well, these are all my own thoughts. Just trust God's view on things rather than your own. You find that if you, you can get, I'm going to link this to the last one, which is you stop learning. Someone read out Colossians 1, 9 to 10. Never stop learning. Don't ever think you've arrived in a certain understanding. That's lacking humility. Continue to be on your knees before the Lord. Don't think you've arrived. Just keep seeking his grace. I'm learning all the time, as you are. Let's be a church that doesn't think we've got it all fixed. I mean, there's, there's non-negotiables. There's clearly scriptural non-negotiables. But how we learn how to treat people how we learn how to have good godly character, 
how we learn to get God's attention and smile, well, that's, that's a lifelong learning exercise. 1 Timothy 4.16. One of the worst things we can do in a church that's growing and reaching hurting lost people is that we police everyone else but not our own lives. And we want this to be a place of radical grace. I'm going to finish with this. It'll take me 10 seconds. We'll worship and then we'll have a cup of tea. I'm going to go home and put my barbecue on. Let's say I'm going to use some fictitious names. Over here is someone called Helen. This is not prophetic Helen. It's the first name that came into my mind. Helen is an addict. She's broken. She's struggling. She's smoking a lot of weed, taking a lot of amphetamines. Occasional line of coke, if you can find it. A life smashed apart. Single mum maybe. Maybe lost her kids in care. She comes into church. Let me tell you something. She ain't going to conform straight away to the way you want her to behave. People are coming in with gender confusion, sexual identity issues. You know what we do? We love them. We love them. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We don't judge. What we used to do is this. We used to say, this is the world, and if you want to come in, Stop smoking, stop drinking, start behaving, don't dress like that. You create this conform, you've got to conform to come in. That's not the way Jesus did it. He was called a, a tax collector, a friend of tax collectors and sinners and a wine bibber. These are the people he hung out with. This is difficult for us who love the Lord. I understand that. But this is her. She's now facing towards Jesus. The sense it might be here, like Jesus is here. She's facing him. She's not doing that anymore, walking away from the Lord. She's, she might have just stopped smoking weed or just coming to church and discovering Jesus. It's going to be a long journey. Some people's lives are sorted out straight away. My experience as an evangelist of 25 years or more is that is not always the case. We woo people to the heart of Christ. When they come in here, we show radical love, radical care, radical attention, radical grace. However, after walking with the Lord for a period of time, you'd expect things to start dropping away. And they're, and they're getting closer and closer and closer to the likeness of Christ. If, however, Neville, who is a dear friend, an amazing guy, he's like quite close to the Lord, say, and he starts sneaking out for, for a cheeky fag. And, and, he's popping, and he's popping into the bookies. That's prophecy. No, it wasn't. He's actually, he's actually started to head away. Expect more of Neville. The trusty of Redeemer Kings. You're walking in the Lord a long time and your head's up cap. So actually, instead of like a circle, your church starts looking like this. With people at all different stages. Some have been quite close to Christ, but they're moving away. And some people are far from Christ, but they're heading in. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Don't be anxious about anything. Demonstrate grace. Yes, we want people's behaviour to change. Yes, we want people to become more like Christ. But let's not police them ourselves. Let's let the Lord do it and leave that to the leadership team. And what we do is we fill this church with words of encouragement and hope 
life-giving words pointing to Jesus. You with me? Because if we're going to do this thing, we are going to see so many broken lives coming into this church. More of it. Yes. Come on, Suzanne. That's it. Clean and dry. How long do you say? Two years. Beautiful. That's how amazing is that? And that's what we want. And Suzanne might not darken the door of a church if it's all judgy and horrible and weird. We accept you and love you for who you are and trust that the Lord will do his work. How much more of that do we want to see? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Give your anxieties to God. Speak words of life. Be full of optimistic hope. Let's do this thing. Let's rescue as many people as possible. Are you up for it? I want to stand together.